It was media day for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there wasn't a lack of storylines to talk about. I'll break down some of the important ones, including William Nylander looking to move back to center, at least through training camp. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morissuti from Sportsnet. As always, Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so make sure you subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from, and make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Locked on Leafs. You'll be getting your content each and every day, five days a week. Yes, we are back to doing five shows a week after the offseason's over, because we are now back to pretty much full-time hockey being back and it started today with the Toronto Maple Leafs doing their first media sessions as kind of the one to kickstart training camp they get all that media stuff out of the way now then they'll focus on the ice on ice sessions that will begin on Thursday and you know this is a good chance to get some clarity on a certain on a few things you get to hear from Bratch Living Sheldon Keith this is one of the main ones where they get to kind of go over the priorities for the season especially from Brad Living, and I'll just get you caught up on some of the things you might have missed if you didn't already see it Matt Murray basically from the way it sounds like don't expect to see Matt Murray this season and it was interesting that Brad Living wouldn't really elaborate too much on what is going on with Matt Murray other than that he's going to be getting surgery next week for what we don't know he's keeping that kind of under wraps here he said that's mainly to protect Matt Murray's privacy, which, hey, if that's something that Matt Murray wants, we ha- you have to respect that, okay? Not everything has to be disclosed. Uh, if that needs to get challenged, the NHLPA and the NHL will handle that if people feel like that's something that's a little fishy. But uh, just from what True Living did say, it was something that has been bothering him before and some sort of issue that aggravated during the offseason. So we know that he was dealing with an ankle injury throughout the year, and that kept him out for a good amount of time. I don't think an ankle issue would be keeping him out for the whole season, so I wonder if there's something else going on that we don't really know about. And, of course, Jake Muzzin, no surprise here. He's not playing this season, and we didn't expect Jake Muzzin to be playing. It was pretty much made known that his career was you know, tracking towards him not being able to get back onto the ice after the injuries that he has suffered, which is unfortunate. We know how much Jake Muzzin means to this blue line. This is not a case where I feel like the Leafs are trying to get rid of Jake Muzzin. It's just the way it all kind of played out. They would rather have Jake Muzzin healthy and playing for this team. I know I would be. So it's very unfortunate. Also, some more injury news. Bobby McMahon won't be starting camp with the team. He's going to be doing some work with the development team until he is ready to get back to playing with the normal camp group. There are three sort of groups at camp, as uh, Brad Schilling explained. You got the main guys in camp one and two. Third group in training camp is kind of the development. I'm sure there's going to be some people working back from injuries that aren't ready to be with the main camp. So uh, just a little breakdown of how, for anybody that was watching, uh, Brad Schilling was a little confused on what he meant by that. That's what he means. And also Ty Voigt 
and Braden Kressler were both injured during the prospect tournament, so they're hoping to get those guys up and running at some point during training camp. So that was kind of the injuries and news and notes from, you know, the media part of the session there. A lot of people were asking about the transition with Kyle Dubas being gone, Brad Chulivik coming in. We kind of heard the same sort of answers from everyone. But the one thing that got everybody talking was when Sheldon Keefe came out and said, we are going to be trying William Nylander at center this season. And we know the Leafs have tried this many times before in the past. And it, and it actually, I saw the I saw the news pop up, and then Discord on the Discord. If you're not on the Discord, I'll put the link so you guys can get a part of the Discord. And the Discord kind of is like, we've seen this before. We've seen the Leafs try Nylander at center before, and it hadn't really worked. True, it has not worked in the past. But here's why I think it's going to be different this time. Now, do I think it's going to work? I'm not sure because I don't know how exactly they're going to deploy this, right? Who his line mates are going to be. But everyone says, well, the Leafs have tried this before with Nylander and it hasn't really worked. The only time really the Leafs have tried William Nylander at center was that a necessity, right? And it was kind of a last minute thing. And Sheldon Keep had to go up to Neil and says, you okay if we do this because we don't really have many other options. It's with Austin Matthews being out or if John Tavares was out of the lineup or that one case in the playoffs with Lisa side, we're going to do a Matthews Marner Tavares line. So Nylander has to play center because we have nobody else that can play top six center for this team. And those are kind of the only time I recall that Nylander has played center. And so why I think this is different this time is that there seems to be somewhat of a plan, maybe not the most concrete plan, but it seems like they're going to give this as much of a leeway as they have in in the past. So I'm going to read exactly what Sheldon Keefe had to say. So Keefe had to say this. William is going to start at center in camp tomorrow. With that being the case, we have considered, I have talked to Willie about it. Trey and I have talked a lot through the offseasons about it. So we already know that this is something they've talked about a lot. This isn't something they just decided to do. We know that moving from the wing, and this is Keith again, moving from center, from wing to center, is a lot more difficult on the fly than moving from center to wing. Giving him some time and opportunity to grow into that position through camp and having experience and confidence to do so gives us a chance to see what it looks like, how it affects Willie's game, and how it affects our team and the flow of the team. And he thinks it's important to do so. Uh, important to say that William Nylander is fully on board with this because, look, this is a contract year for William Nylander. There's a lot at stake for Nylander. He's not agreeing to play center if he doesn't think, well, first off, if he plays center and he does well, that does well for his contract negotiations. He's not doing this if he feels like it's not, A, going to help the team and, B, going to help him in some way too. Uh, Nylander is, as uh, Keith said, fully comfortable playing center. He gets drafted as a center. We all remember he was drafted as a center, and I remember him playing center with the Toronto Marlies. And Sheldon Keefe has coached him playing center. So this isn't like new territory for them. Thing is, that was in the AHL. This is the NHL. And we don't know where exactly Nylander is going to slot in, right? Is he going to be the second-line center? Is he going to be the third-line center? Sheldon Keefe did say that the plan is for 
Nylander, Tavares, and Matthew Stahl play center. So this isn't a case where Nylander is playing center and Tavares is going to move to the wing. Although they did discuss Tavares moving to the wing. And I wonder if Nylander playing center does so well that Tavares moves to the wing and that's how the line changes. We don't know yet. I think it's this is going to be something to watch throughout camp, how this really works. Uh, we've already seen some lineup combinations right now. Who would be with Nylander in this case? I think I saw like some people put out Sam Lafferty and uh, Yarncroke out, Cal Yarncroke with him. We don't really know for sure how that will go. Um, I think that would be an interesting line, but I also wonder where the like the offense part of that, that'll be interesting too. So I, that's going to be obviously now the biggest storyline in training camp. It was the biggest storyline from the media session. So I'm very curious to see how that all plays out. Um, we'll discuss more about that when we actually see who Nylander is going to be skating with. And we'll obviously, we'll get the first ga- few games. Uh, the first preseason game is on Sunday. So we won't be able to know for sure until we see preseason games, how it's all going to work out. But I think the important thing here from Sheldon Keith, he believes that Nylander has the ability to do it if he's willing to put his mind towards doing it right. And I think with the additions of Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi, and I know that Sheldon Keith also mentioned Nick Robertson too. You have you know Matthew Nyes, you have Kelly Unko. Leafs actually have an abundance of wingers that can all play in the NHL, right? Nick Robertson, we know the the injury history, but you got a lot of wingers here. You don't have the center depth, really high end center depth is the important thing here. So I think this is why they're trying. Nylander at center. They probably want to maximize, you know, having three lines that can they can roll with, right? Because the bottom six, you know, the, the drop off in talent was apparent throughout the years. It actually changed when you have Ryan O'Reilly playing third line center. Remember when they put O'Reilly on that second line with Marner Tavares? It looked great because, you know, the first game they do it really, he scores a hat trick. But it was apparent that the Leafs were at their best when Ryan Ryan O'Reilly was a third-line center and he had Matthew Nyes on one wing and Noel Achari on the other side. Now, I understand Ryan O'Reilly is natural center. That's his position. He is defensively responsible. He is such a good centerman. Nylander is not O'Reilly in that case. Could he be? I can't really say for sure that's going to be the case with Nylander. But I think when you saw the way they were able to roll three lines like that, it made the Leafs a tougher team to play against, especially against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had such depth at center. And now you go up in, in, throughout the year. This should make, if it all works out, it should make the Leafs a tougher team to play against because you can't just say we're going to stop the top six and let the bottom six beat you. You have now three lines that you should hopefully have to worry about when you're going up against the Leafs. We'll see. We'll a see how long that experiment lasts. If Sheldon Keefe will actually stick to his word and continue to roll out this lineup, we shall see. I think this feels a little bit different because Brad Living really pushed for it from what it looks like, and I think the fact they're doing it in training camp, where you this is where you work on these things, this is where you do that experimentation. I think that's what makes this. A little bit different in my in my opinion. So we'll see how it all works out. Um, as you can see, Mike DeStefano is not with me, but he is going to be making an appearance on the show. 
we did pre-record some content before Mike went away. Uh, as you saw in the last episode, we did a part one of our player value ranking. So where players kind of rank in terms of their value for the Leafs. We did part one the day before. Now we're going to bring you part two of this series. It's a, it's an, it's an, a very fun thing that Mike and I did together. Some really good debates, I think. And, you know, I saw that some of you were also, com- you know, giving your thoughts on it as well. So here is part two. And guess what? Part two, Mike and I have probably the biggest debate that him, he and I have had on this podcast in a really long time. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope you guys enjoy it here on the other side of the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Leafs podcast is brought to you by a product that I use every day, AG1 by Athletic Greens. Maybe you're like me, you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's no longer the case with AG1. With one delicious scoop of AG1 and a glass of water, each day you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, aging, all those things that I listed. It can be hard and expensive to keep trap of, track of multiple different supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard it can be on your stomach. AG1 costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and is cheaper than your cold brew habit. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 trial packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Check it out. Yeah. All right, next up, uh, this is John Klingberg. I believe yeah. this is John Klingberg. John Klingberg. I mean, he's paid to be an impactful NHLer, right? But I don't can't, know. If can't he do it. I can't do it. I can't do it for John Klingberg as an impactful NHLer. Yeah. Can he be? Yes, he's he's done it before mm-hmm. when he was young, when he was in Dallas. But it's been a couple of years since we've seen that John Klingberg. Sure. Like, I, I'm last year was brutal with the ducks and with the wild he was a dash he's been a dash 28 in his last two seasons dash 28 in his final year in dallas and a dash 28 last year with anaheim got flipped at the deadline played for minnesota was a plus three when he was in many did get four points in four playoff games i might add but um i'm not i'm not exactly sold on this John Klingberg experiment, he's not particularly good at playing defense, which is a bit of a problem in my opinion. And that again is, is why I think he lacks that impactful nature. Cause he, he's not a two way guy. So I think role player is probably where he is going to be slotted at this point for me. Yeah. And I think, I don't think he was the least first choice. Like we heard that they were looking sniffing around at a few defensively before they kind of settled on John Klingberg. I think um, Orlov was Orlov part of the, I think Ekman Larson was one when he was yeah. bought by the Canucks. I think Matt Dumba was another one that Ellie Friedman had talked about. I can't remember what other defense. I mean, Luke Shen was talked about, but yeah. I mean, that, again, he was a, he was a view too much money, too much money. So I think John Klinger was a little bit of a, they, we, they needed a right shot. 
and he his name was gamble it's a one-year gamble one-year gamble Um, we'll see what happens all right sam lafferty was brought in at the deadline um played some decent hockey for the maple Leafs. i would say he was all right slow start it was a slow start to him but then he him and david camp became a really good duo especially in the playoffs but like camp and zach ass and reese were actually a very good fourth line for this team they spent a lot of time in getting some tough minutes starting out um against some tough assignments against tampa bay and so often they would end up in the offensive end like against like Sorelli or against point or against like Stamkos line. Like they got tough assignments and often won them. Um, that being said, like Lafferty's still very much a, a depth player for this team. You know, I don't even know if he's going to be an every night NHLer uh, for this club he does have some versatility where he can play all three positions and that's going to help him try and find uh, a role with this team. But ultimately he's, he's a fourth line guy. You know, he can play on your third line if need be. He's got the speed and he's got, you know, defensive awareness to do it. Um, but if slotted properly as a fourth liner, as a depth guy, I think he could be a, a decent player for them. So I think depth players makes makes sense. Nick Robertson. Nicky Robertson. Nicky Bobby. Where are we going with Nick Robertson? Assuming he can stay healthy all season. What type of role do you expect him to play? I think he's a role player. If he's an everyday NHLer, he's a role player to me. <sighs> is he like, an NA- is he an everyday NHLer though? That's the problem. He hasn't been able to show it, which is why I view him more in, in the depth column because nobody's penciling him in. I, I guess probably that's why he should be a depth player at this point in time because we can't put him into this lineup right now. If you look at a lot of depth charts, people might have of the, of the Leafs going into the season. If anyone has Nick Robertson on that depth chart, it's because they have a lot of belief in Nick Robertson and what he can do. Unfortunately, because he hasn't played, you can't. And if he is on depth charts, where's he slotted? I think at, I think at best he's, he's on that third line left wing spot like you can't put him in the top six and typically on the fourth line i've seen right yeah, and that's my point you can't yeah, yeah. So. so depth player i'm with you yeah timmy lilligren timmy lills at one point last year i legitimately thought lilligren was gonna work his way into the top four and then they made a bunch of additions at the deadline bringing in luke shen bringing in uh jake mccabe and Lilligren was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit as they were trying to, you know, get uh, Eric Gustafson some some minutes as well. Um, yeah, he's he's a guy for me. I, I, I don't know where to go with him. Like, I want to say he could be a role player for this squad, but I don't know if I'm ready to give him that type of responsibilities quite yet you know what i mean or or can you persuade me or do you think i just think i just think that when he's when he was you know in a consistent situation he played his role properly right he would like yeah do i view him as a top four right now going to the year well i mean the additions of the addition of john klingberg says no they're gonna put him in the top four which means 
Timothy Lilligren right now is going to be on the third pairing unless he proves to us that he can be a top four guy. And I think that's his, his ceiling as second pairing defenseman, right? That's his ceiling. But the problem is we haven't seen it from him enough. And, 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 so, and again, not, that's not all on him. I do think Sheldon Keefe has been, he, he's, not, he's, he's the to give him responsibility for sure. Yeah. Right. So I want to put role player for him, but I think right now he's, he's more of depth because he might come out of the lineup, but they want to bring somebody else in, right. If they want to make a change in the lineup, Timothy Lilligren is probably the one coming out, especially on the right side. They're not taking out Brody. They're not taking McCabe. They're not taking out Klingberg, depending on who's playing on the right side. I don't see any of them coming out. It's going to be Timothy Lilligren come out. So probably, he should be a role player, but right now, I think based on where he is at this point of his time with the Leafs, I think he's probably a role player. And I, it's un, and to me, I want to see more from him. Yeah, you put him where you believe he fits. I'm okay with either, but yeah, I, I lean slightly to to depth as well. Okay, mm-hmm. the captain John Tavares is the next player we're going to slot here in one of the bins. John Tavares paid like a franchise player typically your franchise player wears the c is that the case for the maple leafs as we slot gianni tiranto i i personally still think yes i know that he his number really i think so yes because right now the nhl is doing their media tour in las yeah. vegas you know who's doing the rounds right now it ain't mitch marner it ain't austin matthews it's John Tavares. Mm. And he's the captain. And he's paid like a franchise player. I understand the production. You know who else is a captain? And you know who else is out parading oh. himself at the media tours right now? Just named a captain this week. Last week. Adam Lowry. Oh. Just because yeah. you're a captain... And just because you make a lot of money and just because you're willing to go to these NHL events and speak with media, I don't think that puts you in the franchise players category. He I, was I, a franchise player at one point. Absolutely. When he was with the Islanders and even like his first year in Toronto, but it's been a couple of years since we've seen that Tavares. I mean, this is back to back years now where he's gone like stretches, like big stretches, like 12 to 15 games without scoring a goal at five on five. Like that's, that's not a franchise player. If you ask me mm-hmm. impactful for sure. I think for certain he's still an impactful NHL. Like the guy's still basically a point per game. But if, you know, if we're talking about the franchise guys being relied upon in all aspects, I, I don't know if I can put him on the same same tier as Austin and Mitch. I, I just, I think he's impactful. I don't know if he's a franchise guy anymore. I'll just say this so we don't get caught saying we're comparing John Tavares and Adam Lowry. Tavares had 80 points. Adam Lowry's never had 80 points in his career. I get that. And I, I'm being a little, you know, facetious, but my point was more so like just because he's out there doing that and doing captain know, responsibilities doesn't mean he gets you know, stamped with a franchise player. You know what I mean? I still think though the team somewhat gravitates towards him, not in the way maybe that 
Austin Matthews, but I still think he has sway. I don't know how much I believe that, Dave. I knew you and I were going to have disagreements with this one, though. Because who I should be if, if if you were the coach, Dave? If you were the coach, who would you give the seat to? Right now, yeah. I mean, it's we knew it. We all know it should have been Austin Matthews in the first place. I disagree. I think it should have been Morgan Riley. Well, I mean, I wanted Morgan Riley, but I, we right. already knew that it was. I still, I'd still give it to Mo. I would still give it to Mo. Yeah. I like, think he. I think he's the one that's a bit more of the mouthpiece of the team. That's for sure. But I just think that. So, I mean, so who would be second? Who be second? Second in line after Mo? Then look at the time that the captaincy was made. Who was the one when that decision was made? It was exactly. Shannon. It was Dubis. And Babcock. It was Babcock. <laughs> yeah. That was very much a Babcock. And it's also because DeForest was the guy, right? They brought him home. He was he came in, had this really like really good season with the Leafs. Yeah. It kind of he, he hasn't he hasn't lived up to expectations, I think is what, what I'm getting at. And you can't be a franchise player and, and not live up to expectations. I mean people in this market have talked about that deal being the crippling debilitation of you know this team and why they haven't been able to uh, get to where they want to go because of that cap and because he can't quite live up to his cap essentially you know like that's been declared as one of the most egregious contracts in the league at this point i i i'm sorry if you're a franchise player i don't necessarily think that that much negativity would be surrounding you well, I mean, there's negativity even with guys who do produce and are still paid a lot just because of how the team performs, too. I will say that. So what are we doing here? Are we I'll, I'll, I'll concede to put him as an impactful player. Okay. Okay. I, I just Let us know that. in the comments below. Let us know yeah. in the comments below. Is John Tavares still a franchise player? Is he still a franchise guy for this team? Or at this point in his career – is he just a really good NHLer and an impactful NHLer who's going to do good things for this team and certainly makes this team better? But is he a franchise guy? That's where I want people to discuss in the comments down below. We'll get back to finishing off the tiers rankings, but before we do, let me tell you about our other show sponsor for today, and that is our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird dogs make you look good because they are stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do exactly the same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And they fit better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, stiff restricting cotton. They fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And bird dog uses an anti sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long and they're great for every occasion i usually like to use them when i'm going out golfing sometimes when i'm at the pool they're just easier to throw on they were they're such a versatile product that's why i really do like them and they give out free swag whenever you place an order so i got the tumbler the nice little bird dogs tumbler that i can use especially for the cold and and warm drinks it's a great thing to have so make sure you go to bird dogs dot com slash locked on nhl or enter promo code locked on nhl at checkout for free 
Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NHL for a free water bottle. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Do you have a final comment you would like to make before we move on? No, because I feel like well, this will be in an hour long episode. <laughs> If we, if I, I think we're, I think we're splicing this into a part one and a part two. So at I this point, we, probably, we probably a part two at this point. If you're yeah. watching this, um, that's my guess is what yeah. we'll do with this one. Uh, why am I? Who is this guy? Connor <laughs> Timmons is the next guy. Oh, Connor Timmons, right? That By the way, Connor I know Timmons. some people might say this. Jake McCabe is on here twice. Oh wow, yeah, that's my bad. I screwed up oh. on that one. But I had someone else on there twice. I think um, I had Yarncroc on there twice earlier too, and I saw that and took him off, and I forgot about. So next one's Connor Timmons. There's no debate. Like he might not <laughs> even make the roster. Like I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, he's he's a depth player. It's it's mm-hmm. literally what he's going to be. He'll be lucky if he can, you know, play himself onto a third pair uh, this season. So yeah, depth player. We don't even need to spend time talking about that one uh next up pontus holmberg i mean the same thing too depth player like he he's a guy that could be put down if because of salary reasons i don't expect for him to make the team out of uh at a camp strictly for contractual reasons similarly to how nick robertson didn't make the team at a camp last year they need they're going to be in a cap crunch where they can they're not going to have healthy scratches they're only going to be able to keep 20 guys on the roster barring an injury where they could use some ir help i suppose um but if that's the case he's one of the guys who uh doesn't need waivers to be sent down to the minors and i fully expect for that to happen uh so if he's not considered uh you know, enough of a role player to keep in the lineup. He certainly belongs in the depth players category. Uh, Matthew Nice is the next man that we got to discuss here. This will be a bit of an interesting one. Matthew Nice had a terrific few games for the Maple Leafs prior to the injury. Um, where does Matthew Nice belong in this tier list? I want to put him in the impactful but the thing is, I don't want to put, I don't want to push that too far for him, because you can have a really good start to your NHL career, and then things kind of ease off a little bit. But I think Matthew Nyes has the tools to be an impactful player. We saw it during the playoffs. Yeah, we saw it. I saw it when I watched him in the regular season. I think he's an impactful player. I know that there's going to be some questions of where he is going to fit exactly on this team, especially after the addition of Bertuzzi. But I think that they view him as, I mean, he is the top prospect and I think he is kind of that guy that they've been looking for in this lineup. Right. So that's why I have him as an impactful NHL right now. Is he? Yeah. Can he get to that? I think he can get to that, right? Like that's, that's, that's the hope is he becomes, an impactful NHLer, you're of the belief that it happens right away. Like he's going to step into the NHL this season and his first full year, and he's going to kind of take it by storm and kind of be that Matthew Boldy type guy who is maybe go out here and score yourself, you know, between 20 and 30 goals and, and dig in the corners and be a physical presence 
um, go to the front of the net. Like if that's what you are anticipating out of Matthew Nyes this year, yeah. if that's what you're anticipating, then I, I, I can get on board with putting him in the impactful NHLers. And I don't know if we're being homers and we're being very, mm-hmm. uh, very wishful in this, but I think I can get on board because I know it was a small sample size that we saw in the playoffs, but man, when he was playing a good team, that's a good Tampa team, really good Tampa team. And he was fantastic. Yeah. Right. He was, he was great. He worked his way up to the top line before getting injured. Um, I think I can get behind you with the impactful NHLers. I think I can get behind it. He does things that the other guys don't do, right? Like he's willing to go into the corner. He's willing to go to the front of that, use his body and things like that. He was playing overtime in that game six. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the, like, like that's an on the ice when they scored. Right. Like he's the one that like he's the one that's put into those situations because the coach knows he can have an impact, right? Like yeah. you don't get thrown into those situations if your coach doesn't have faith in you to do it, right? And point. when he was with Ryan O'Reilly, like that line was just dominant, right? Like, and then they eventually said, "Well, the other guys kind of need your help, so we're going to move you up," right? <laughs> yeah. So, that's why I have him there. I'm I, I, like I'm I am actually really excited to see what Matthew Nice can do this season. Now, am I putting a lot of pressure on the kid? I don't think I'm the only one that's going to be putting the pressure on him. Welcome to Toronto, kid. Welcome to Toronto. Yeah, yeah. impactful NHLer is where we're going to settle on for uh, Matthew Nice. Good luck, young fella. Good luck. Uh, next up, we have who is this fella? Why am I blank? Is this Steve's? Yeah, I think this is Steve's. I believe this is Steve's, yeah, because McMahon's on the end. Yeah, this is Alex Steve's depth player. Um, don't think we need to spend a, a whole lot of time deliberating between uh, what Steve's is. I think, you know, he's a guy who's played a handful of games in the NHL. If injuries occur, he'll uh, he'll come up and they'll play some more third, fourth line minutes, but nothing more than a, a depth player at, at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Simon Benoit, the French defenseman, or Quebecian defenseman, French-Canadian, I suppose. Canadian. Um, same thing, right? Depth player might make the team as a seventh defenseman, might be a, a Marlies, uh, a top pair player for the Marlies who comes up through injury. Um, but at this point, he's kind of on par and similar to, to Connor Timmons. Yeah, exactly. All right, Callie Yarncroke. Where are you putting that boy, boy, Callie, though? I got to put him as role players. Yeah, I agree. And it's for what he's paid and what he did last year, I had no issue, right? I think he was, uh, you know, it was nice that he could go on the top line and produce. It was also good that he could be on the third line. And, yeah, did he have some moments where he wasn't as impactful? Sure, yeah, there were, but I just think he's he's a guy that you can kind of plug into different spots, and he kind of he kind of fits this lineup for sure. I've got a theory on Cali Yarncroc, and it's not a relatively new theory. I guess it's more of a renewed theory that Yarncroc is going to basically be the new Alex Kerfoot, the guy who can go up and down the lineup, the guy who's versatile to play all three forward positions. He's someone who 
can kill some penalties. He's someone who you can put on the second power play unit, um, but he's not going to be tremendously impactful in any of those, but he's going to play a significant depth role for this team, um, which is why I think role players is you know perfect. Like he's the ideal role player that you want, right? Like a third liner who can go up and down your lineup and be a Swiss army knife and play all different types of scenarios. Um, and I, I, I think Yarn Kroc, he had what, 20 goals last year. Um, when played with Matthews and like, there was a time where it was like, Hey, Yarn Kroc might be worth sticking with Matthews for a while. Cause they're actually playing well together. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, role player is definitely, uh, an appropriate spot for him. Hmm. Joseph, the brick wall. Where are we putting Joey Wall? I mean, I, I think role player, right? Like that's his role is the backup. And you know what? Some believe that he should get more games than just like, you know, what a typical backup gets. I don't know if Samsov can handle a huge workload. Right? Like Yeah, I mean, he played forty what, like forty something games this year. Yeah. He didn't play fifty I don't think he got to fifty. So like and I don't think the Leafs want him to get to that number either because, uh, you know, he's 42, played 42 games. So basically half of the season. Right. They And they got three goalies this year. And they're not. Well, well one of them I expect. And by one of them, I, I do mean, actually, I don't even think we have him on this list. Uh, I was just about to also say that we are forgetting <laughs> Martin Jones and we know that he's a depth player. Yeah, like Marty brought, Jones. He's brought in to make sure that Joseph Wall can solidify himself as the backup. As yeah. the backup who will pay play probably I would say minimum 2025, 20, I say 25 games would be a fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that assuming that both of these goalies stay healthy, I think 30 games is no. probably more likely like a 30-50 split, you know? I think so. Yeah. Um, Blanket on who this guy is. Wow. Is this Dylan Gambrell? Dylan Gambrell. This is Dylan Gambrell. And considering that I blanked on who he was because yeah, yeah, he he's, he's a depth player. He's going to be a Toronto Marley for the most part and might get an opportunity to come up and, and play a fourth line role. It'd be a 13th forward. Um, but it's 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 a competitive group, so I I'm not even sure how many NHL games he's really going to play with the Maple Leafs. So depth is certainly uh, where he belongs, and that leads us to our final player that we're going to slot in one of these uh, four bins here, and it's Bobby McMahon. Bobby McMahon, again, depth player. I think is is what's appropriate for Bobby McMahon. Not guaranteed to make the team. Um, but I'll say this, Bobby McMahon is somebody who maybe does have a bit of a higher ceiling than some of these other guys. Like, I think Bobby McMahon could play his way into potentially a role player type of status. Like, I think he could work his way into a third line type of role. He's got, you know, the speed, the tenacity, and there's a little bit of offense. You saw that in the American league. Um, he's like one of those, one of those guys who just developed through the system. Well, that might be able to turn into a decent, you know, top nine forward in the NHL, um, a good role player. And I think that's 
kind of what Toronto is hoping for a couple of years now. The organization has spoken about how they need some of these young AHL Marley's guys to take that next step. And one of the names that Kyle Dubas, I know he's not here anymore, but one of the names that they consistently threw out there was Bobby McMahon, even before he made his NHL debut last year. Um, so they clearly see some good in him. They feel like he can be a contributor to this team. And I, I do think that he could potentially uh, work his way into a role player at some point. But right now, um, considering he's not even guaranteed to make the team out of camp, again, roster constraint consider um, issues could cause him to to be sent down to the American League. Um, depth players is, is where he's yeah. going to slot. Yeah, like he when he was in the in – the, I know injuries was an issue for him too last year, but when he was in the playoffs, like Bobby McMahon was the guy – for that Marley's team. He had a hat trick in one of the games in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, he's one of those players that you want to see push for a spot in camp because then that means that the development system is working to some degree. Yeah. He, he could have like, I don't want to use this. I don't want to use this name because I don't know if he can get there, but like a Zach Hyman ish development curve. Right, where it's just a guy who's going to work his ass off, doesn't have all the tools, but can get rewarded with production just based on how hard he works to 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 be the player that he can be. And uh, if he gets put in the right positions and in the right spots, and you know he's playing and, and getting some minutes, perhaps he could work his way into a top nine role here with Toronto and get some uh, you know work his way into a role player type of status. But for now. We will keep him as a depth player, and uh, maybe we'll we'll have to revisit this at the end of the season and kind of see, you know, if we were right or some guys we maybe were too high on, some guys maybe we were too low on. Um, like maybe, you know, we do see Lilligren take that next step, or perhaps we see Tavares turn the clock back and turn into a franchise player. Nothing would make Dave happier, I would imagine, than seeing that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how things shake out. This is fun, though. We're definitely going to have to uh, make this a, a yearly thing, Dave. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think getting a good grasp of what the, where the organization is and the players that they have and, like, kind of who how we view the players, I think it's important to – it's important because when we talk about making, you know, deals and trades, it's kind of one of those things you talk about where, you know, you don't trade Austin Matthews because he's a franchise player, right? You don't get many of those cracks at the can with an Austin Matthews like player. We left one guy off the list. Who I just realized leave? right now. Who do we leave off? We didn't have TJ Brody on there. Oh my goodness. TJ Brody's an impactful NHLer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I okay, you know what? Because you had Jake McCabe twice, and I'm wondering if TJ Brody was that guy you were Yep. I meant to grab Brody and I accidentally grabbed Jake McCabe twice. That's definitely mm -hmm. definitely what happened. Um, well, but yeah, Brody deserves to be an impactful NHLer for sure. Yes, yes, I, I mean, uh, yeah, he's yeah. he's your top, he's likely, unless they make a trade or anything, he's your top pairing defenseman with Morgan Riley. I think that's how it starts off. If it and isn't, I would be very surprised. That's likely how it starts off, and I mean, I'm sure we'll get some answers next week once camp starts off or starts on technically friday as uh, when things start i don't know if we'll have 
you know, lines and pairings in place by then. Typically, you do see a lot of shakeups, and they try different things in practice and whatnot. But uh, maybe we'll get some some answers or some clarity as to you know, how Sheldon Keith did. You know, wants to deploy his uh, his unit this year because it's a little different than last year. Certainly, way different than the playoffs where there's been a lot of turnover since. Uh, so, should be interesting. Um, I'm excited though for uh, for the season. Excited for the first game coming up this weekend as well. But uh, Dave, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore More Sudi and follow the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. Go ahead, smash that like button if you enjoyed this video. Let us know if you want us to do more tiered content like this because uh it's, it's it's fun having little debates and, and figuring things out uh so let us know down below if you liked it uh with with a comment and a like um but we'll be back with another episode you'll be back with another episode uh tomorrow till then keep locked right here on locked on leaves